Merry Christmas, everyone. If you are new with us, whether new on campus or maybe new joining us online, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so glad that you've chosen to join us. And I want to just give you the, the heads up that you are stepping into part two of our Christmas series called Light in the Darkness. And I just need to let you know, especially if you're new, uh, we're in a kind of a weird spot in the Christmas story. We, we're not in a spot that you may be used to, talking about baby Jesus. We're actually 700 years prior to that in the Old Testament, looking at some foundational information that sets up the Christmas story. So that's kind of where we are in our Christmas series right now. And next week, we're going to celebrate Christmas together, celebrate Christ's birth. And we're going to do that not next Sunday. We're going to do that next Saturday afternoon. So next Saturday afternoon on Christmas Eve at 4 p.m. and 5.30 p.m., we'll have our Christmas Eve services here. So uh, make sure you have that on your calendar. If you show up on Sunday morning, you'll be all by yourself. It'll be a sad Christmas morning for you. But if you show up Saturday night, you'll be with a whole lot of people uh, that will be here celebrating Christmas. We'll celebrate communion together. And what I ask you to do is I ask you to invite people to come be a part of this service. So what we have uh, available to those on campus is we have some invitation cards. And I ask you to take a handful of these, take a stack of these, take as many as you want, especially if you're going to hand them out. And that's what I ask. Hand them out to everybody that you know. Invite people to come, you know, hand them to your neighbors, maybe a family member, maybe a coworker, uh, maybe somebody in school with you. Just invite other people to come. Maybe this afternoon when you go to lunch, if you go to a, a restaurant locally, maybe you leave this for your server. And what else do you leave for your server when you leave one of our church cards? A really big tip, right? Why? Because we want to lead people to Jesus, not push them away from Jesus. So leave a big, big tip if you hand it out today. So just invite people to come. If you're watching online, you'll be able to watch our Christmas Eve services at 4 and 5.30 as well. Now, as we dive into part two of this series, uh, let me ask, how many of you have ever been lost in the dark before? Anybody been lost in the dark? All right, if, if we could kind of share those stories, I'm sure we'd find some like really weird stories. So I'm gonna sh share with you one of my lost in the dark stories. And to do that, I'm gonna ask for the lights to come down so we can kind of set the mood, okay? So if the lights can come down. There we go. So a number of years ago, I was hunting with some friends up in Georgia. And uh, I was hunting on a part of the property that I was not super familiar with. I'd been there a few times, but not super familiar with that spot. And yet earlier that morning, we'd all decided which parts of the property we were going to hunt on. And uh, my friends went off in their direction. I went off in my direction. And, and we were uh, out there at least two hours, two and a half hours prior to the sun coming up to find our spots, let, let everything settle. And hopefully God would bring a nice big 10 point by it that I could bring home for, for lunch that day. So uh, I started walking to my stand and I have this um, smaller flashlight that I often use when I'm walking in the woods in the dark to hopefully not scare all the animals away and let them know that I'm there. So as I was walking towards my stand, I missed some of the landmarks that I had uh, placed in my mind that would help me get to my stand. So I missed some of the trees, some of the rocks on the path, and I ended up lost. 
And I was wandering around for about a half an hour. I didn't know where to go. And the more I wandered, uh, the more lost I got. So I'm standing in the dark, pitch black dark, with my little flashlight. And I'm wondering, like, what do I do? I'm not sure where to go. I'm not sure what to do. And then a pack of coyotes decided to start howling all around me. Now, um, I'm not normally bothered by coyotes, especially when I carry a high-powered rifle with me into the woods. And yet, in that moment, in the dark, it was a little weird. It was a little eerie for me. I had a decision to make. Was I going to keep on wandering through the dark, trying to find my way to my hunting spot? Or was I going to wait for God to turn on the big flashlight in the sky? You know the thing called the sun? for God to bring up the sun so that I could find my way back to my stand. Well, I, I don't always make the, the wisest decisions in moments like that, but thankfully in that moment, I chose to stay put and waited for the sun to come up. The sun came up and I went, wow, I can see. I was way off track. And if I would have kept wandering, I'm not sure even in the light, I would have been able to find my way back very quickly. But in that moment, because I stayed put, I was able to see clearly and find my way back. So I told you that super boring story for some of you um, to lead us to our bottom line thought. So our bottom line thought for today is what we do in the dark often determines how long we stay in the dark. So the, the decisions that we make when we're in dark moments of life will often determine how long we will stay in that dark spot in our life. So we'll come back to that throughout our time together. Now, before um, we move on, let me give you a recap of where we were last week. So last week, Tim did an amazing job of helping us understand the history of the nation of Israel. So the, God's specially chosen people. And he took us back to the year 930 BC, and he helped us understand that the nation of Israel was one nation at that time, but they went through a civil war that we here in America understand what that is all about. So that civil war broke that nation into two kingdoms. There was a northern kingdom called Israel and a southern kingdom, a smaller kingdom called Judah. And they were constantly at war with each other. Then each kingdom had their own line of kings. And often they had bad kings. Sometimes they had good kings, but most often they had bad kings. And for Judah in the year 734 BC, King Ahaz stepped into the throne. King Ahaz was a bad king. Uh, he invited the gods of other nations, basically, to come into his nation. He invited worshipers of those gods to come into his nation, set up their temples. He started sacrificing some of his own sons in honor of those foreign gods. So he was an evil king and led the nation of Judah, basically, away from God. Then Israel and Syria two countries that were his enemies, decided to attack Judah. But God sent the Old Testament prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz, and God, through Isaiah, basically said to Ahaz, don't worry, this attack is not going to happen. I will not let it happen. Now, I don't know if you have experiences like me when I'm reading scripture, but when I read that portion of the story, um, I think like, wait a minute, time out, God, like, come on. Like you stepped into Ahaz's story to help him. He was wicked. Why would you step into his story? And as we continue to read and we continue to learn, uh, God 
steps into our stories even in moments of rebellion. Even when our hearts are hard towards him, God still loves us. God still steps in to shine his light into our lives to help us. And we're gonna see a little bit more of that today. So it's amazing that God always pursues us and he's pursuing Ahaz in this moment. God even confirmed his promise to Ahaz and the people of Judah in Isaiah 7, verse 14. He said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So that was a specific promise for Ahaz and the people of Judah. And it was a prophetic promise to all of us that Jesus would one day soon be on his way. So that's Isaiah chapter seven. We're gonna be in Isaiah chapter eight and chapter nine today. In Isaiah chapter eight, we learned that God would keep his promise to the people of Israel and prevent uh, Israel and Syria from attacking. And we learned that the people of Judah uh, were super excited that that attack didn't happen, but they refused to acknowledge that God was the one who stopped the attack. So God said to Isaiah, his prophet in Isaiah 8, 6, he said, my care for the people of Judah is like the gently flowing waters of Shiloh, but they have rejected it. They are rejoicing over what will happen to King Rezin of Syria and King Pekah of Israel. So instead of praising God in that moment, when he stepped in to help them, praising him, they rejected him. They said, God, thanks, but no thanks. We'll take it from here. And again, as I read scripture and and come across things like this in scripture, there are moments I think like, what in the world? Why would the people of Judah reject God after a moment like that? And in my frustration, God tapped me on the shoulder and said like, "Uh, hey, you do that too sometimes. I'm like, oh yeah, there are moments. When I'm in rebellion, God steps in to Uh, bring me out of that, or I'm in a moment of darkness or a moment of difficulty and God steps in to bring me out of that. And there are moments I'm like, hey, thanks God, I'll take it from here. I've done such a good job of leading my life in great, you know, uh, into great places. So God, I'll I'll take it from here. You don't need to drive anymore. You can actually get in the backseat. Actually, you don't have to be in the car anymore. And what do I do? I lead my life back into a ditch. So I think we all kind of have that problem in that same situation as humans. That's what King Ahaz was doing. And the people of Judah, that's what they were doing with God in that moment. So God decided to discipline them. He told them that he was going to allow the nation of Israel or the nation of Assyria come and defeat them in battle. And you might think like, well, that doesn't sound very loving. Like, why would God let another nation come defeat Judah in that moment if God really loved them? But Hebrews chapter 12, verse six says this, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a loving parent disciplines their kids because they want their kids to understand truth, build character and integrity, just like a loving parent would do that with a kid, God does that with us. God was doing that with Judah in that time with King Ahaz, but King Ahaz's heart was so hard and Judah's hearts were so hard that God said, hey, your discipline is gonna be a little extra severe because of the hardness of your hearts. I'm trying to soften your hearts so you'll get back in a right relationship with me. So he told them again, 
The Assyrians were gonna come and defeat them in battle. But listen to what God said to Isaiah. So he spoke this to the prophet Isaiah who was gonna have to go through the same discipline that the people of Judah were going through and yet his heart wasn't hard towards God. This is what God said to him. He said in Isaiah 8, 11, he said, Isaiah, as you walk through this, don't think like everyone else. Don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one that you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. So that was the word that God gave Isaiah. And I think that's the same encouraging word that he gives us. You know, we live in a weird, dark world, don't we? Anybody ever like looked around at the world lately? You've seen like there's some really weird things happening out there in our world. And as those weird things are happening, I'm noticing that more and more Christians are focusing more on the darkness of our world than the light of our God. We're getting wrapped up in some of the conspiracies that are out there. We're getting consumed with news sources that feed us those conspiracies over and over again. We're getting angry. We're getting afraid. We're acting just like everybody else in the world acts. And God says, don't do that. You're my people. If if you're one of my followers, you're one of my kids, you're supposed to be a light in the world. So don't behave like everybody else in the world. He says, this is what I want you to do. Instead of all that, here's what I want you to do. In Isaiah 8, 20, he says, when you're in that darkness, look to me. Look to my instructions and my teachings. God says, look to me and I will help you out of your darkness. And most often God will use his written word to do that. God's written word is a light. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So in those moments where we're wandering around in the dark and we're not sure where to go, God says, well, like, pause, time out, look to my word. My word will guide you in the next step to take, the next decision to make. So if you're a Christ follower, I'm curious, when you're in those dark moments, maybe you're in a dark moment right now, but when you're in those dark moments, are you looking to God's word for instructions to find your way out? Are you looking to your favorite sources that you think will help you? If you're like me, when I look to my favorite sources, often I stay in the darkness and get more lost. But when I look to God and his word, he guides me through his word to take the next step. He shows me the next step that I should take, the next decision that I should make, and he guides me out of those dark moments that I find myself in. So if you're a Christ follower, if you're in a dark moment, are you looking to God's word for his guidance? Now, maybe you're new to faith, Or maybe you're not even a Christ follower and you would say like, I don't know anything about the Bible, so what would I do there? How would I use God's word? Uh, My encouragement to you would be, pick up our spiritual growth challenge before you leave today. There's a copy of that in our lobby. If you're watching online, there's a, a link in the comment section that you can follow. And our spiritual growth challenge is a one-page document we make available each week that just takes what we're we're learning on Sunday a little bit deeper. There's a Bible reading plan. If you don't have a Bible, take one of the Bibles at the back of each seating section as our free gift to you. If you'd rather use a digital version, I encourage you to download the YouVersion Bible app and look up the New Living Translation. And then throughout the week, I encourage you just to read the Bible reading plan 
on our spiritual growth challenge. It'll start guiding you in how the Bible could be a light for you, how God could shine his word in front of you to help you in those moments of darkness. So I encourage everybody to get a hold of our spiritual growth challenge and start using it in that context. Here's what God says will happen to people who don't turn to him for help ultimately and who reject his word. In Isaiah 8.20, it continues, and he says, people who contradict God's word are completely in the dark. They will go from place to place, uh, from one place to another, weary and hungry, and because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth, but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They'll be thrown out into the darkness. That leads us back to our bottom line thought. What we do in the dark often determines how long we stay in the dark. So the decisions that we make when we're in those dark moments often determine how long we're gonna stay in that dark moment. So if we receive God's light in our lives and take that in, whatever that is that he's providing, if we receive that, then we won't stay in the darkness as long. And that applies to any kind of darkness that we find ourselves in, whether that's kind of like a, a global darkness, uh, that's a personal darkness, or that's a darkness that someone kind of forced onto us. Regardless of where that darkness comes from, what we do in the dark often will determine how long we'll stay in the dark. Now, back to Judah. So the nation of Judah was gonna experience some very dark days because of their rebellion against God, their rejection against him. But listen to what God said again to Isaiah for the people of Judah and ultimately for all of us. Even though Judah had rejected him, refused to acknowledge him, God said in Isaiah 9 verse one, he said, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. There are several really big promises that God was making to the people of Judah in that time through Isaiah and their promises that apply to us as well. So the first thing is this, God promised the people of Judah that their darkness wouldn't last forever. It would come to an end. God again would pursue them. God again would shine his light into their lives. God again would show up and rescue them in a significant way. Way. And God did that not only through the birth of Jesus that we'll talk about more next week, but he did that through the life and ministry of Jesus, where Jesus started his ministry. So we're going to fast forward this story of about 700 years, and we're going to jump into the New Testament, and we're going to learn from Matthew, one of Jesus' closest disciples. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, he tells us when Jesus started his earthly ministry, which is the reason that he came, he said he went from Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. So why did he move there? Verse 14 tells us, because this fulfills what God said through the prophet Isaiah 700 years prior. 
in the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. And then verse 17 tells us, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. So the significance of that is not only that it fulfilled biblical prophecy, again, Isaiah's prophecy that happened 700 years prior, but after Assyria defeated Israel and Judah in battle, they repopulated that region with their own people, known as the Gentiles. And if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, but those Gentiles that came into that region brought their worship practices with them and their foreign gods with them. And just as King Ahaz was a wicked, bad king worshiping other gods, that land, because of the influence of those Gentiles bringing in their foreign gods, that land became known as the land of darkness. So where did Jesus begin his ministry? Where did Jesus begin to shine his light into our world? Was in one of the darkest regions our world has ever known and one of the darkest moments our world has ever known. For me, that's just fascinating. Where did God go to shine his light? In a very dark place, very dark place. Here's why God did that. He did that because his mission is to shine his light into our darkness, no matter where that darkness is and no matter how dark that darkness is. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, he said he came to seek and save those who are lost. His primary purpose in life is to find people who are lost, find people who are wandering around and have no idea where to go. That's his purpose in life. So if, if you feel that way, if you've ever felt that way, guess what? God's looking for you. He wants to find you. He wants to bring light into your life so that you can find where you are. So what that means for us is there's no place that God's light won't reach. There is no darkness that God's light can't transform. And I'm so glad that God shined his light into my life because I've been lost before. I've been spiritually lost. I've been relationally lost. I've been emotionally lost. And God has continually shined his light into my life so that I could be found by him. And I'm just curious, is there anybody else super grateful that God has shined his light into your life? Anybody besides me? All right, many of us are. So here's the great thing about Christmas. Christmas is the time that God turned his flashlight on. That's what it's all about. He shined his light into our dark world at this moment of time when it was so dark in our world where many people are like, why would God come now? God certainly would not come now. It's so dark, it's so evil. That's the moment that God turned his flashlight on and sent Jesus into the world. Jesus stepped into the world being the light of the world to show us a way out of our darkness through a relationship with him. So Christmas is a great time to celebrate Christ's light. And it's a great time to receive that light into our own lives. Now, there's a really good chance that some of you here are experiencing a very dark moment right now. Probably not everybody maybe not a majority of people, but there's a really good chance someone on campus, someone watching online is in a spot of deep darkness. And if you're in that moment, 
I think God wants to tell you today, your darkness doesn't have to last forever. It doesn't. I mean, it could actually end today. It could, it's possible. Um, It could start ending today. God could start shining his light into your dark moment and start showing you a way out if you accept that. If you'll receive his light and start following as he guides you. Again, what you do in the dark will determine how long you stay in the dark. So when God shines his light into our darkness, we have the choice. We can accept it or we can reject it. We can be like Isaiah and say, God, shine your light into my life. No matter what I have to go through, shine your light into my life. Or we could be like King Ahaz and the people of Judah and say, no thanks, don't need it. I can handle it on my own. In John chapter three, verse 19, Jesus said this very sad statement. He said, God's light came into the world, but some people loved the darkness more than the light. Some people said, like, I do not want you or your light or your love in my life. I don't want it. I'm so grateful. If you keep reading John 3, Jesus says, but there were other people that received that light in their lives and were transformed by Jesus. I'm so grateful for that. So for us, when God shines his light into our lives by maybe sending someone to help us in a time of need, or or maybe showing us how to battle temptation when those moments of temptation get so strong and possibly so dark in our lives, we're not sure what to do. God can guide us out of those moments. God can guide us in how to fix a broken relationship. God can remind us that we can trust him. We can experience his peace. He can remind us, and maybe he's gonna remind some of you today in your dark moment, you're not alone. You may feel alone, but you're not alone. God can bring people around you to support you. God himself is with you in those moments. You're not alone. And God can and will guide you out of those dark, difficult moments. Maybe God's shining his light into somebody's life here on campus or maybe somebody watching online because he brought you to a church Maybe you've never been to church before. Maybe you came because of the invitation of a friend. Maybe you have some bad church experiences and you just want to try it again for, for some reason. Maybe God's shining his light into your life saying like, hey, there is a church family you could belong to. You could be loved by. You could experience my love through. And maybe you could meet my son Jesus and be totally transformed through that relationship. So when God shines whatever light that he needs to shine into our lives, again, we have the opportunity to accept that or reject that. If we accept it, we're stepping out of darkness. We're choosing to step step out of darkness into God's light. If we reject it, we're choosing to stay in our darkness. Now, I brought a, a story with me today. I'd love for you to hear that gives some very practical handles of someone who found themselves in a very dark spot. And it was a very dark, dark spot of their lives that was brought onto them by someone else. And it continued on in their life for a very long time. And yet they got to a spot where they had the opportunity to respond to God's light. So let's watch together Kristen's story. Hi, I'm Kristen, um, and I have spent the majority of my life feeling not like I wasn't enough, I wasn't loved, um, and I wasn't wanted. My life before Christ has been a roller coaster. I am the youngest of eight kids. 
Um, and then at a young age, I was sexually abused by a family member. By the time I was in sixth grade, my sister and I were on the receiving end of physical abuse, mental, emotional, verbal. The physical abuse lasted until I was a graduate high school. Uh, my high school years weren't any easier, at which point I joined the military. It was my chance to make the world for myself. I got out of the military in 2010. Um, I found out I was pregnant and I was married by April. He deployed for a year, so I was completely alone. I was moved in with my mom and dad. After the baby was born, my husband was able to come home for the birth and he was home for about two weeks. Um, and then he left again and I had postpartum depression very bad. I was invited to Epic probably about six years ago by Becky Palmer. February of 2020, um, I had reached a low point so I came to church and the message was God is for you and that kept me going for a little while. Um, I needed that. I needed someone else on my side because there's only so much you can do by yourself. Um, however, the pivotal moment was February of 2021. I was literally sitting at home doing laundry on a Sunday afternoon. And over the next course of the next 24 hours, not only did I get my laundry done, but I wrote a, an 11 page suicide note. It was probably a couple weeks later, I opened up to Becky. I went over to her house one evening and we just talked. And she got me in to meet with Tim. With Tim, I accepted Christ. We had a talk one day after, I think, the last baptism, and I said, what's the point of baptism? And I just asked. And we talked about it, and we talked about God and Christ and the stuff that I have been through. Um, and if anything has stuck with me through anything, it's the God is for you. This time it was different. It wasn't just a message saying God is for you. This time it was the church behind me. It was a counseling group behind me. It was my women's community group that I was a part of. It was my family and my friends. And it was God. So I accepted Christ and I truly accepted Christ. And here we are today. I want to get baptized not only because I want to share my commitment to God with those I love, but to also have a physical representation of washing away the pain and trauma I have dealt with and leaving it there. This is my personal proclamation that I am not a victim. I will not be controlled by the behaviors of others and I will live every day choosing to look forward towards God and to never forget the journey that got me here today. Will you help me thank Kristen. That's an amazing story of God shining his light into Kristen's life and her responding 
And I thought it was interesting that her friend Becky, uh, who's on our worship team, invited her to come several years prior to her showing up. So you never know what an invitation to church might do in someone's life. Kristen got to the spot where her darkness got worse and she thought, what do I do? Where do I go? I don't know. So she came to a church where she heard a message that day about God's love for her, that God is for her. He's not against her. He's not mad at her. He's not punishing her in some way. He loves her. He's for her. And he shined his light into her life and she took a next step and she ended up having a conversation with one of our pastors, Tim, who led her to Jesus. And she found that his light could transform her life and she kept taking baby steps. She got into a small group. She got baptized. She became part of our church family and found that this is a place that she could be loved. It's a place that she could belong. And her story is such an amazing story. Here's the cool thing about her story. If you're in a dark spot like her, your, her story could be your story. The same thing that's going on in her life or happened in her life could happen in your life if you just choose to accept the light that God is shining in your life just a little bit at a time. Keep following that light to where God leads it. So as we close the day, our worship team's gonna come and they're gonna sing a song for us. And as we're singing that song, the reality is today you could choose to accept God's light, whatever that means for you. You could choose to accept the, the light of the encouragement from another friend for a dark moment that you're going through. You could choose to accept the light of, of maybe a small group around you that wants to help you in that moment, carry the weight of what you're carrying you could choose to accept the light of possibly a conversation with one of our pastors or, or one of our local counselors or stop by our, our care table before you leave, get connected with one of our care members who can get you connected with somebody who can help you unpack the darkness that you're walking through. Or just maybe you could take the big step and open the door of your heart to Jesus and invite him in to be your personal Lord and Savior. Revelation chapter three, verse 10 says, Jesus stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks and he's waiting. He's waiting for us to open the door so that he can come in and transform our lives for all of eternity. And I think today, Jesus is standing at some doors of some hearts. He's knocking and he's waiting. Today could be your day that you open that door and let Jesus' light shine into your life and begin the transformation process for you. Now, if you're not in a dark moment, here's what I encourage you to do. During this song and throughout the rest of this week, I encourage you to ask God to open your eyes to the people around you who are in dark moments. I guarantee you there's someone around you experiencing a dark moment right now. They may be sitting right next to you. They may be sitting right behind you, right in front of you. And maybe all that they need is a smile or a hug or a handshake or an invitation to a deeper conversation or to a small group or to come back to church on Christmas Eve where we can hear more about the light of Jesus in our world. I guarantee you there's someone around you in a dark moment. And God's asking us to shine a little bit of his light into their lives and help them in that dark moment. So, Pray and ask God to show you who that might be for you today and this week. So if you would, uh, pray with me, and then we'll sing together. God, I'm so grateful for 
the light that you've shined in our dark world. I'm so grateful for the time that you chose to shine that light. Lord, you, you shined it at just the right time. There's times that you know, we wish you'd come earlier or we'd wish you'd come later, and yet, God, you always show up at just the right time. And you show up to help us in our dark moments. We can accept that. We can reject that. You don't force yourself on any one of us. You just shine your light to show us a way out. And Lord, there's many people I know here today that are in challenging moments. We're all face challenging moments. So as we continue to pray, I'm just curious to know if there's anybody here willing to say, I know someone who's in a very dark moment right now. If you know someone in a dark moment, would you raise your hand? Um, how many of you would be willing to say, I'm the person in that dark moment? If so, would you hold your hand up? Okay, there's a number of people holding their hands up. So God, I'm so grateful for the courage of these people to say, I need help. I'm in a dark moment. I don't know where to go. I'm lost. And Lord, I love your heart and your mission. You came to seek and save those who are lost. You don't ask us to clean up our lives and live perfect lives in order to come to you and, so, and to let you shine your light in our life. No, you come to find us. And often when we're lost in the dark, we're kind of messy and we need cleaned up. So Lord, you come to us and you shine your light and you show us how to take steps in the right direction. And Lord, I pray that for these people. I pray that they would accept the light that you are shining into their lives and take that next step in their relationship with you. And Lord, for some people, that next step may not seem like a small step. It may seem like a big step. And, and maybe there's some people here today who've never put their faith and trust in you, Jesus, as their personal Lord and Savior. Maybe this is their day. Maybe you're standing at the door of their heart and you're knocking and you're waiting, waiting for them to open that door. So if you're in that spot, if you're that person, Here's what I encourage you to do during our final song or during our, our final prayer together here is I encourage you to just start talking to God. Just tell him that you need him. Tell him you're lost. Tell him you're sorry for the ways that you've brought darkness into your life. Ask him to forgive your sins. Ask him to step into your life as your personal Lord and Savior. Scripture is very clear that when we do that, when we have that conversation with God, Jesus responds. When we open the door, Jesus steps in. And today could be that moment where your life is transformed. So if you're in that spot where you know you need to pray that prayer for the first time in your life, I just want to ask, would you just raise your hand and hold it up for a second so I can pray for you? Anybody? I'll just take a second and make sure I'm looking around and catch anybody. Well, I don't see anybody in this service. Maybe somebody online is raising their hand. We had several in the first service that did that. If you're in that spot and maybe not courageous enough to raise your hand, again, I encourage you to have a conversation with God about receiving him as your personal Lord and Savior. Again, God, thank you for being the light in our dark world. Thank you for being the light in our dark lives. Thank you for allowing us to choose to accept and receive that light and show us the next few steps. Out. I pray that you would continue to shine that and we would continue to respond. In Jesus' name we pray this, amen.